I'm so glad my son doesn't talk to me anymore. I'm so glad I'm sitting in my bed alone and my accountant is here to count my money and my lawyer is here to revise my will. But the sharks are all outside my bedroom waiting for me to die so they can divvy up my assets. I'm so glad this is how it all turned out. This is the Military Sherpa Podcast. Left, right, left leadership insights from America's best. With your Military Sherpa, Mark Tilshire. Welcome back to the Military Sherpa Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Mark, and today, today is all about a listener question. So this is a question that I guessed, I get asked all the time. And the question is, why do pioneers and connectors succeed more than other voices do? And people ask me this question frequently because I will say things like pioneers and connectors. And of course, if you don't know what that is, we're talking about The Five Voices, which is created by Jeremy Kubitschek and Steve Cockrum, a fantastic book, an even better program, and it's the foundation of our Military Sherpa coaching program. And so you need to be up on this language. If you're not, what are you waiting for? Go to militarysherpa.com and we can absolutely get you spun up and ready to go. But let's talk really quick. When we think about success and we think about clustering in positions of leadership, naturally, we want to merge those two things together. But my first question that I ask people is, why do we care? Why do we care so much? And sometimes the people that are asking it, they want to know so they can explain it. But sometimes it comes from a very different place. And if we look at human beings and we look at our biology, whether we think that we evolved or whether we think that we were designed and created, it really doesn't matter. Mammals are really unique and very special when it comes to the way that our brains are wired. And there's a lot of research and studies. You can go out to Google and see some of the things that I'm talking about. But one of the things that we notice is that mammals are always, not all mammals, but mammals generally speaking, are keeping track of what other mammals have. And if you look at primates, even if you look at dogs, if you look at dogs and two dogs are sitting down and you're giving treats to them, they've done studies where you give one dog a treat, you give one dog a treat, they continue performing the task. But as soon as one dog starts getting twice as many treats as the other, what they find in the studies is that they're not as quick to finish the task and sometimes refuse to give the task entirely or to do the task. And so they find that the dogs are not only watching what they're receiving, but they're watching what the other dogs are receiving. And when one dog is receiving an unfair distribution by their estimation, then what ends up happening is they quit wanting to perform. They quit doing the trick, quit doing the work. And this can be escalated to a crazy level when you think about chimpanzees, where there's been studies where chimpanzees are being given peanuts, which they enjoy, and then one chimpanzee starts being given grapes, and they love grapes. So one is getting peanuts now, and one is getting grapes, and very quickly, not only does the other one refuse to continue the exercise, but there's at least one case where the chimpanzee was able to break free and rip the face, and I don't mean this lightly or or metaphorically, rip the face off of their handler, because they were so jealous that they weren't receiving what it is that they thought they should be receiving or what was in their mind an equitable distribution. And the problem is, is that human beings were kind of wired or designed exactly the same way, which is when we're sitting here and we're farming this plot of land and we see another human being that's farming a plot of land over there and their house is getting bigger and our house is falling apart and they're getting rich and they're getting bracelets of gold and they're getting all the things that we think that we deserve and we see that they're basically doing something different than we are. We want to understand and we want to know why. Why? Why are they seeing success and I'm not? Why are they going up to the top? It seems from the outside that all things are equal. What is it that I'm doing wrong? If they have all this stuff and I don't have all this stuff, something's either wrong with me or something's wrong with them. Maybe they're dirty. Maybe they're cheating. Maybe they're taking. Maybe they're stealing. And our brains start to go to all these different places. 
And maybe that's true. And there's something dangerous in society when there's an unequal distribution of wealth, right? We start to talk about how there's income inequality and there's danger because when income inequality comes, whether you think that it's a good thing, a bad thing, a byproduct of cap, whatever it is, the people that are at the bottom of the distribution, whether we're talking about the monkey that's receiving peanuts, the dog that isn't getting as many treats, or the human that sees people on mega yachts and they're sitting here barely able to make ends meet, when there's too many people at the bottom of that distribution, they tend to want to upset the game and play a different game. And the challenge of living in the, 20, the year 2000s, the 2023s, if you will, the problem with living in this day and age is that where we used to be confined to our village, we used to be confined to our neighbors, we used to be confined to looking at the people that live next to us, we're now able to see through any window that we want to look into. And everyone around the world now is, is taking their device and they're showing us their highlight reel. And they're renting cars and they're renting apartments, renting private jets that don't even leave the ground, but they're just doing a photo session in them. And they post them all over Instagram and Facebook. And we look at them and go, man, these people are successful. And the reality is, is that it isn't that they're necessarily successful. It's that we're seeing their highlight reel. And success, when we measure it based on only two aspects, status and money, which are big, when we view it based on status and money, then yeah, we would say pioneers and connectors, they end at the top of the status and the money distribution. They're clustering at the top of the income distribution or they're clustering at the top of leadership. And the reason is if we look at pioneers and we look at the value scale of all the things that they could value, often towards the top of their value are things like impact and ambition. Pioneers are driven to make a difference. Pioneers want to get out into the world and just change it in a positive way. They want to leave their mark. Achilles in the movie Troy, he's like, this is why no one will remember your name. When the little kid looks at him and goes, I wouldn't want to fight him. And he's like, well, that's why no one will remember your name. His driving motivator, pioneer to the core, he wanted to be remembered. And not all pioneers are looking to have their name on a building or their name on a plaque, but they want to leave a positive impact on the world. They're impact and ambition tend to rise to the top of their value. So they're not afraid to take risks. And more importantly, they're not afraid to sacrifice to get where they want to be. When it comes to connectors, connectors understand the power of networking. Your network is your net worth. And connectors, they seemingly are everywhere. They're very good at maintaining relationships. And with relationship comes opportunity. And that same thing that is causing us to look into the window of people that aren't our neighbors and misjudge their success allows connectors access to a greater world or a greater slice of the world than any connector in all of history has ever had access to. Connectors can touch and keep relationships going across time zones, across geography. They're no longer limited. And so it's natural that in an age where your network is your net worth, that connectors are going to take an undue or a larger slice of the pie than ever before. The good news, the pie is not fixed, right? There's an unlimited amount of opportunity out there. We just have to figure out where we fit into it. But when we think about success and we think about winning and specifically clustering at the top of leadership, winning, I often say this, I won life. It's not because I'm rich. Like I live in a pretty normal street in a pretty normal town in a pretty normal city in America. I, I'm, we're not driving around in Bentleys and Bugattis, if that's what you think as you're listening to my podcast. But I think I won life. And, and why I say that I won life is I have an amazing wife who loves me, who's devoted to me. And no matter what I do, she sticks by my side. She's loyal and she's faithful. She's, she's beautiful. Everybody looks at her and can't believe that the, the skin that she's wearing belongs to, uh, that she's not 20. Let's say that. People can't believe it. 
It's fantastic. She has such good genes. Right? I'm very lucky. And she has the sweetest heart. She's amazing. I have four fantastic kids. Everyone who meets them wishes their kids were more like them. You can say it out loud. It's totally cool. My kids are pretty freaking awesome. I live next to Disney World. I have a job that gives me flexibility so that I can go. And so I'm listing these things not to make you jealous, to tell you what your future can be like, right? But to tell you that I feel like I won life. And I feel like I won life because of my values. There are a lot of things that we value. Family, free time, creativity, security, adventure, money, diversity of diet. There's a lot of things that we value. And there's a reason why our grandparents had nothing. And we're so happy when you would come to their house because family was their primary value. And I think family slips up the hierarchy tree the older that we get. And sometimes we find it difficult to view life in a 90-year or 100-year journey. But what we do find is that these people that we believe are the successful ones, money and status, we find that from their own mouths, on their own deathbeds, they very rarely look back and say, man, I'm so glad I sacrificed everything. I'm so glad I th- I'm so glad my son doesn't talk to me anymore. I'm so glad I'm sitting in my bed alone and my accountant is here to count my money and my lawyer is here to revise my will. But the sharks are all outside my bedroom waiting for me to die so they can divvy up my assets. I'm so glad this is how it all turned out. And it seems like a movie trope. But the reality is when we do interviews, and I say we collectively as humans, I haven't done one, we read the studies. People always regret the things they didn't do, the time they didn't spend, the things that they didn't do with their family. It's very rarely the business opportunities they really wish that they would have had. And so what is winning? What is success? Success doesn't mean the same thing to two people. Focus on status and focus on on money if that's what you want to focus on. But understand very few people would be happy being in the seat of a CEO. Very few people would be happy running a big corporation. They would like the office. But don't forget, like the only problems that they see are the problems that nobody else could solve. The only challenges that they're given are the challenges that, that are the most difficult challenges in the organization. The consequences for everything that they do are so severe. They're often working 18 to 20 hour days, never sleeping, never spending time with their families. Like it's not a great place to be. Most of us, our value system doesn't line up with that. And so it's more about figuring out what are your top values, align them. What are your top three? What are the top three things that when you're 60, you want to look back and go, man, I did a really good job. I'm so happy with how those three things turned out. What are the three values? Is it family? Is it leisure? Is it free time? Is it adventure? Is it travel? There's almost an endless list of values that you can generate. But what are those three things at the top that you want to look back and say, man, 60-year-old me, 40-year-old me, 50-year-old me, they're happy with the amount of time, effort, energy. They're happy with the health of these values. And if the things at the top of your values hierarchy are the healthiest areas, the healthiest values in your life, then you win. We don't want to look at the pioneers and the connectors and go, man, I wish I had money and status. You probably don't want to make the sacrifices that pioneers made to get there. Most pioneers who arrive there later in life, they make this switch where they become all about their family and they try to make up for lost time. And we all know that that is impossible. It's only when you focus on the things that you value intrinsically in your heart and that you share with your spouse that you win. You win. And this all derives from the source code. We can look at the source code, the five voices, nurture, creative, guardian, connector, pioneer, and we can derive or deduce the primary values that people may share. Why do or how do people rhyme? 
And when we understand that, it makes it easier to lead them, to meet them where they are, and to incentivize and reward them based on things that they care about. And if you want to speak the source code, you go to militarysherpa.com and you sign up to become a Military Sherpa certified coach. Military spouses always attend free. It's the absolute best part of our program. So I would encourage you to go out there, militarysherpa.com. Wednesday, I'm going to have a special Valentine's Day episode. Maybe maybe I'll drop it tomorrow. I don't know. We'll see. So Wednesday, uh, I'll see you then. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Military Sherpa Podcast with Mark Tilshire.